Welcome to the Business with Bordeaux podcast, where we're bringing basic business tips to entrepreneurs and the future leaders of tomorrow. Let's get down to business. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another interview on the Business with Bordeaux podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the show this week. We do have a great interview with Mr. Scott Free from City Takers out of the Atlanta, Georgia area. Uh, if any of you are aware who who, we, who he is, uh, you know what kind of great guy. Uh, he's been doing um, mission work for a long time now, and you know he has been doing uh, you know paid full time mission work. And so we do jump into uh, breaking down full time ministry and all that good stuff. It was a great interview. I really enjoyed it, and uh, just being able to hear the heart of a guy who has been uh, leading a team of missionaries for a while is um, it's very refreshing. So I hope you stay tuned all the way through the interview because it's great throughout the whole thing. And I do want to thank the patrons for the show this week, Mr. Aaron Simpkins at TrueStrengthApparel.com. Rocking with me since day one. I appreciate you, sir, and happy Father's Day to you, along with every other father out there. Uh, all of you rock. The families need the fathers, and so thank you for being there for your family. And if you can't for whatever reason, I'm sure you'd want to be. And um, you know, a lot of us are fathers to other types of people, to or father figures to other people. And so this goes out to you as well. And also, Mr. LT Smith. Uh, he has got a, a new music video. Well, it's not new right now, but uh, it is new for the cultures, the name of it. The uh, link to it is in the description of the show, so you can check him out there. And thank you for supporting the Business with Bordeaux podcast. Don't forget to head over to businesswithbordeaux.com for everything that's related to the show, my blogs, uh, other small business stuff that can be very helpful to you, hopefully. And uh, and also, I just want to take a second to shout out to Trackstars. Um, you know, Trackstars has been... Uh, supporting the show since day one, they've been giving me advice. Uh, you know, everybody over there has been giving me feedback. I've had most of the people on the show up to this point, so you can go check that out. And you know, to all of you who have been rocking with me since day one, thank you as well. Without this, uh, without you, this show wouldn't exist. So anyway, uh, without further ado, now I'm gonna jump into the interview with Mr. Scott Free from City Takers. Alrighty, welcome back to another interview here on the Business with Bordeaux podcast. Uh, this week, I have a special guest out of the Georgia area. Uh, this gentleman is um, very familiar with Trackstars. If you're familiar with Trackstars, I'm sure you've heard this uh, this fine man's name before. He is the founder of City Takers. I got with me Mr. Scott Free. How's it going, man? I'm good, bro. How are you doing, man? Appreciate man. you having me on the show. Oh, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I know you're a busy man. Speaking of which, uh, you had a viewing last night. Uh, was it a documentary? Yeah, man. We had a uh, a documentary that Will Thomas filled, filmed on City Takers. Um, it's taken probably about four, five, six years um, to complete it, bro. But uh, it was finally finished, and we premiered it in Atlanta last night, and it was really just amazing, bro. About 300-something people came out. And, uh, man, the Lord is really going to use this film. I, you know, I'm excited about what he's about to do. That's incredible, man. How can people uh, check it out if, if they weren't there? Yeah, so right now we're not it's, – it's eventually going to wind up on Netflix. Uh, oh. But right now we're, we're touring it around, showing it in different cities. Okay. So, you know, we don't have a full schedule yet. Um, I think the next one is going to be Fort Myers in next month. And then we're, you know, we're looking for different opportunities. So they can just check out the website, citytakers.com backslash movie. Um, and we'll have the different cities on there as well as you could bring it to your city. 
you know, so okay. listening. Yeah, man. I, we need to dive into the logistics of that because uh, that's that's pretty incredible. I know there's a lot of independent filmmakers out there who yeah. might want to know how to do something like that. So uh, we definitely want to dive into that. But before we do that, though, man, I just want people to know, um, people to find out who uh, who is Scott Free, what is City Takers, uh, what what spawned this whole entire thing, and uh, and you know just kind of some uh, historical background to to you, my good sir. Yeah, bro. So I, I'm just a normal guy, man. Grew up in Miami, Florida. He's a skateboard as a young kid. So I got into skating in the mid to late 80s. Uh, that's when Tony Hawk was really big and a bunch of other skaters. And with that, with the culture of the skate culture, I was introduced to hip hop. You know, that's I'm talking way back in the day. Run DMC, Fat Boys, LL Cool J. <laughs> um, and, I, and I took on to this one guy who used to DJ. And so... Um, when I was about 15 years old, I bought some Technique 1200s and got into hip-hop music, DJing, and did that all through high school. But with that came the lifestyle of it, you know what I mean? So I was, you know, doing drugs at a young age, having sex at a young age, just just kind of wilding out, as they call it, you know. And I thought I was the man back, you know, when I was young, as we all did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Life. But with that, you know, came all the... Uh, I don't know, man, just the, just, the, just the things that I thought were fulfilling me, but they really weren't. So I was searching for that thing that would fulfill me. And it was just never, ever enough, whether it was money, drugs, anything. So um, I just found myself in a, in, a, in a downward spiral out of control from in and out of jail as a young person. And, and finally, I had an opportunity uh, when I had my first son to move to Atlanta, Georgia. So the year I moved to Atlanta in the year 2000, the Lord radically got a hold of me and I radically got saved and I surrendered everything to Jesus and so everything changed so for me I I walked away from hip-hop walked away from the music walked away from all that because it represented who I used to be um that was the year 2000 and it was a few years after that that God that the Lord introduced me to Christian hip-hop through guys like uh cross movement ambassador I think the first song I heard was from the ambassador I used to date this girl named world (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, well, I didn't know this stuff was out there. So kind of got into involved in Christian hip hop and really found myself finding really what I was called to do was more outside the walls of the church um, in the realm of, you know, the streets, in the realm of jails, homeless shelters, drug rehab centers. So I found myself serving in these areas, um, bringing some hip hop guys around just because that's, you know, I've always kind of grew up in the culture, so was we were using hip-hop music as a tool early on in the early 2000s. And then people were like, man, you know, we want to be a part of what you guys are doing because we were out there doing outreaches, and people were like, man, we want to come, we want to serve. And what they were really saying is they wanted to rap. You know, they wanted to be on the platform, <laughs> they wanted to be on the stage. And so I remember early on, like 2004, I was like, God, what do you want me to do with all these people? You know, everybody wants to rap. And he told me years ago, they're like sheep with no shepherd. And I'm like, oh, nah, man, I'm not. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. I, I feel you on that one. It's like, I yeah. don't know, man, that's a lot of sheep. <laughs> I don't know, guy. Like, I don't know. You got the wrong person because I'm just a young believer, you know, and I'm just raw. I just really didn't know nothing. How, how old were you at the time? I was probably, let's see, 2004. I was, man, hold on. I'm, I'm doing the math here. <laughs> 76, 2000, 86, 96. So I was, man, I was 27. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you were still pretty young. I was young, but I'm talking about as a believer, I was really right, young. Right. You know what I mean? I was just like really raw. Yeah, I gave my life to the Lord at 24. 
And so I was about three, four years in, 27, maybe 28 at the time. And uh, long story short, I was like, man, if, you know, if I did something, I'm just going to do it like how I know. And I grew up in the club scene, party scene. And so I knew how to throw a party. And so, you know, we were just doing outreach parties, man. You know, outreach things were, and, and then everywhere we were going, people were sharing their stories and I was preaching the gospel as, as best as I knew how to do and sharing my testimony. And people were meeting Jesus, people were getting saved, delivered, set free, you know, coming off drugs. Whole nine, man, crazy things were happening. God was just showing up. And in um, 2009 was finally when I, I finally surrendered. I was like, all right, Lord, I'm going to do something to where, because the problem we were having was people were like, man, where's your church? And me and my oh, yeah, yeah. me and my guys all went to different churches as home churches. But none of our churches looked and felt like what we just presented to them. You know what I mean? Gotcha. I mean, it was they're great churches, but they're a little more traditional. And so they're, they're definitely not hip hop. They're definitely not really urban. Um, they ain't going to have no graffiti on the walls. They ain't going to be, you know what I mean? They ain't have no <laughs> on the stage. Right. Stained glass windows and yeah you know just just the, you know and, and again they're amazing great churches great right, pastors, right. great leaders but just different in the context of culture yeah so, it's not too relatable i mean yeah and, yeah. and, and like you're saying if you if you take the gospel to them in a certain way they're, they're going to expect to continue getting it in that certain way exactly exactly yeah. but it was the the way it was packaged they wanted right. that so they were like asking us for years, where's your church? We want to come to your church. And I'm like, well, if you go to my church, you know, it ain't like this. I and mean, it's a great church. <laughs> right. So we would always tell people, man, just find a good church home. Visit different churches. God will, you know, put you where you want. He, he wants you to be. And you'll be happy there. And so their answers nine times out of ten were the same. Like, oh, man, we're not really feeling, you know, we're not feeling the church. We want to go where you guys go. And here we are. We all go to different churches. And we knew that none of our churches looked and felt like us. And so we understood the mindset. We understood the way that they were thinking. So in 2009, I finally was like, all right, Lord, we're going to, you know, we're going to do something to give them a place to come to at least and be that middle, that bridge between like the church as the traditional church and the world. And so we started an event. January 2010 was our first big one. We did a few before that, but it consistently started. We said we'll do every last Friday of the month. And we, we called it City Takers the event. Um, and so basically the event blew up, man. Like once we start, we were doing outreach for four years already full time. Every week we had some sort of different outreach going on. But once we started something within the context of the church, um, the church started to pay attention to what we were doing. I don't think that's necessarily all right. I think they should pay attention to everything. You know, <laughs> we started to bring it inside into a kind of, I hate to say it, a safe environment. Right. Um, people, would come and people would see what God is doing. Um, we would always promote all the outreaches as well. So then City Takers as an event got a lot of traction. People were wanting to interview us. People were wanting to put us on a radio show. You know what I mean? Like we were getting write-ups in magazines. I mean, we're in the city of Atlanta. And, you know, in the very beginning, we would have guys like Lecrae come and, you know, just everybody from Lecrae, anybody you know has pretty much been to a City Takers event performing and ministering. So because of that platform, God really just uh, started to grow the ministry of city takers. And then people were like, man, we love your ministry. We love what God is doing. And I would ask them a few questions. I was like, well, tell me, you know, what, what is it that you love? Oh man, I saw the pictures of the event. And I was always like, well, 
you know we do all this other stuff. You know, what I mean? you know we're in jails, we're in the we're in the homeless shelters, we're on the right. streets, we're doing homeless church service, we're doing all this other stuff. But all you see is the you know what I mean, the big name rappers on the stage. Right, right. So Lord, what you know what I mean? Like I don't want to be known as just like a ministry that does these cool concerts. Um, so really, that's the season in 2010 where we just rebranded everything, and City Tickets became like the whole movement and not just the event. So it was like late 2010 where we rebranded the whole ministry, the mission as City Takers. And basically the mission statement is to raise up urban missionaries that transform cities through hip-hop, love, and Jesus. And we do that three ways, by loving a city, drawing a city, and building a city. So our love a city aspect is where we actually go to the people. Um, Friday, last Saturday we were at a prison where we were doing a family day. We literally did a block party inside the prison. Um, it's the one day a year that the prison opens their doors and allows families to come in full contact with the prisoners. So their kids are there, their families are there, the mom, dads are there. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just an amazing time. We had DJ Radical spinning. Um, we had a, a art booth where kids are making Father's Day cards for their fathers. Oh that, wow! You know what I mean? So it's just like all these little things that we actually set up for the for the families. Um, so love cities where we actually go to them. We have a homeless church service where we have every, uh, fourth and fifth Monday night where we literally feed about 200, 250 people. Um, we minister the gospel. Sometimes people will rap, sometimes they won't, you know, sometimes we'll just do worship and a word and prayer. So we're any, anything that we're going to the people meeting need, loving all people, that's love a city. Draw city is when we're asking people to come to us, like our big event every last Friday, we're drawing them in. We have an FM radio show on 91.5 FM every Saturday night from 9 to midnight. DJ Radical, the whole crew's on there. Um, we're drawing them in to listen to us, website, social media, you know what I mean? That's Draw City. And every time we're drawing people in, we're, we're, we're really unashamed about sharing the gospel. Like, we're really about faith come by hearing, hearing the word, you know? Right, right. Power is in the word of God. And we're not trying to camouflage that. We're Christians. We're evangelists. You have a heart to see revival in the city of Atlanta. So love a city, draw a city. And then the build a city aspect is really just making disciples, mentorship, discipleship, leadership development, all the, all that cool stuff. That's really what we're called to do. But we got to do all these other things. you know. And then when we're discipling people, we're sending them back out to love a city. So it's really the cycle of city takers, love, draw, build. Um, so awesome, we've been doing that for a little over eight years now. And... Uh, yeah, man, God is just rocking, man. God is God is really moving. We're in a season now where we're looking for a headquarters. Um, we've grown to about over 300 consistent volunteers every single month. And um, everybody's Atlanta is a huge city. And so everybody's kind of all over the place. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. We've always wanted to do it like that. Excuse me, what's that? I almost got a sneeze. So everybody's kind of all over the place. Um, the problem we're having and seeing is... If we have an outreach in one area, people from, you know, the, people from this area might come, but there might be like 20, 30 volunteers at this one, 20, 30 volunteers at this one, 20, 30, and nobody re really ever meets each other. Oh, gotcha. Except for that one outreach. And so we want to create a home for people. Number one, for people who don't have a church, we want to create a home, you know, a community, a family. And uh, we want people to start to know each other that, that are plugging into different aspects of city takers. And, and we want to pro provide a place to train, equip the church and equip the body of Christ to be real city takers in their jobs, you know, in their schools, in their neighborhoods. 
because the church is uh, where two or more are gathered, right? We are the church. Right. And so a church isn't a place that you attend. Church is the movement that Jesus started 2,000 years ago. So That's right. That's basically the whole heart behind it. That's how it started. Um, we're still growing. I really feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're over 10 years in now, and we really feel like we're just getting started, man. That's dope, man. So from the very start, I'd like to go back a little bit. You, you went full-time in 2006. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. Okay, so what enabled you to be able to go full-time, and what did that full-time entail? I know you said you, yeah. you hit the streets, you went to prisons and stuff like that. Um because there's a lot of people who feel like they're they're called to be full-time ministers. And I think they don't all know or we don't all know the stress that's in there and what has to be done logistically. So could yeah. you just kind of hit that a little bit and kind of uh, just yeah. uh, educate the people? I would love to, man. It's one of my favorite things to talk about because I think there's a huge misconception um, in the church for sure on full-time ministry. Um, this could be a whole podcast, bro, another time. But <laughs> I'll hit a little on the on the nuggets real quick. I think everybody who is a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, uh, from day one, when they experience Jesus, they surrender their life to him and start to follow him. I believe, and I can show you all throughout scripture, that they are in full-time ministry. Amen. Um, now, I think a lot of people, what they ask when they say, hey, how do you do full-time ministry? You know, or I'm not in full-time ministry, you're in full-time. What they're asking is, how do I do it for a living? Right. Um, and that, you know, in 2006, when the Lord, first, first and foremost, number one, you got to be called. Right? You got to be called by God to leave a job or leave, you know what I mean? Whatever you're leaving to come and do this full-time. Now, also, you got to be faithful with the little things. Mm. So in 2004, 5, 6, I was at my job, and I was doing ministry full-time on the side, you know, or even, even at my job. The Lord told me something that was very powerful in 2005. He said, Scott, what if I won't move you until you become content with where I have you? That's huge. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, you know, and, and I had to I had to repent. I had to, like, ask him to forgive me because I was wanting to go do ministry, you know, in the context of the church, the, 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 the church or on the streets. But I wasn't wanting to do ministry where God had me 10 hours a day at my job. And I couldn't be scot free out there if I couldn't be scot free. You know what I mean? 10 yeah. hours a day. job. And so when I changed the way I thought about full-time ministry and I said, you know what, full-time ministry isn't a job. Full-time ministry is me following Jesus, letting the Lord use me wherever I'm at, at my job, at Walmart, in my school, in my neighborhood. You know, most people pass right by their neighbor to go reach other people. You know what I mean? And they, they're not, they don't even want to reach their neighbor. And Jesus even plainly said, love your neighbor as yourself. I just put and something so, off. Twitter uh, several days ago, and a lot of people shared it. I said, it's amazing how many people want to go reach the world without reaching their neighbor. Yeah. I mean, that's real. And it's like people work, they hate their jobs. And I was one of them. I hated my job. I just wanted to get out of my, I wanted God to move me from my job. But he was like, what, I ain't going to move you until you understand and change the way you think about ministry. Mm. 
And he's like, I created you to be who you are, where you are. And so it had to, I had to really understand the lifestyle of ministry and not the job of it. And so basically following Jesus and allowing the Lord to do an inward work in you. It's the ministry is the overflow of that. Right. You know, the Bible says that your cup will run over, right? Your cup will run over. And I, 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 I'm a picture guy. I think about a cup running over, right? And the water going onto the table or the floor. Um, the water on the table or the floor is the ministry. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Unless the Lord is overfilling in your life, you're not, you don't have nothing to give out to somebody else. So most people who want to do ministry full time, they're, they're, they're running on E, a quarter tank. You know? <laughs> and so the, you don't really have anything to give somebody. And so ministry is an overflow of what God is doing in you. Mm. So, you know, say, say somebody is called to, you know, step out. Somebody is called to, you know, do this for a living. And, and you got to be able to, number one, have the network of people that can support you doing that. Have other people speaking into your life, uh, affirming, you know what I mean, what God is telling you. Um, I see a lot of people just radically do it and jump out by faith. And and really, it's, it's their desires over the voice of God. And I see them stumble and I see them fall. But then I see other people who, you know, talk to their pastors, talk to leaders in their life, talk to their families, talk to their wives, talk to their husbands about this and they're affirming that and they're believing with them because they're hearing the voice of the Lord themselves and the Lord like just supernaturally provide. So, you know, when I stepped out in 2006, I didn't, I, I wasn't going to go work for a church. I was going to just step out as an urban missionary and do more of the mission support thing where I was going to ask people to support me even financially. And, uh, the first people I went back to was my home church. And I told them what I was, what I was doing. And um, the first thing they asked me is, how, how are you going to make money? Because <laughs> uh, I had a house, you know, I had, I had children at the time, I had right. a car. So I had to make a certain amount of money to be able to to live. And so I said, you know what, I'll do whatever it takes. I, you know, I have a pressure washer. I'll pressure wash houses. I'll pressure wash driveways. I'll cut grass. I'll do whatever it takes to make money as long as I'm able to do, you know what I mean, this you know, what God is telling me to do. So I have to trust the Lord. I have to follow the Lord. Money, I'll figure out. I, and I've always been that dude to like, you know, I'm, I, I work, man. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that I almost do too much because I, I try to do everything. You know, right. I'm the guy that I'm, I'm like, I've had to learn how to lead and allow other people to do, you know what I mean? The things that I could do myself. So in the beginning, I was like, man, I'll just do whatever. I'll do whatever it takes. And so in the very beginning, I just figured it out, man. Like, I, you know, I was pressure washing house. I was doing things here and there to make to make extra money. But at the same time, God was affirming even even the call financially. So people were sowing into, you know, what God was doing. People were giving people. I'll never forget the first Christmas. You know, I had two kids at the time. No, I had three kids. And um, I was like, Lord, like, you know, I don't have money this year you know, to buy my children a bunch of gifts. I might be able to buy them like one thing, but I can't buy them. You know, I like to, and I, I'm not saying I'm extravagant buying huge right. gifts, but I buy a lot of little things. So they feel like they're opening up, you know, two, three, yeah, four yeah, presents. Yeah. And so, uh, I didn't have, I didn't have the money, man. I think I had maybe a hundred bucks to spend on Christmas. 
And it was like December 20th or something like that. I go out to my mailbox, you know, get the mail, a bunch of bills. And there's a, there's a yellow manila envelope, one of those big letter envelopes, probably six by whatever, eight. Right. And it had no name on it. No, nothing. It was just blank. And I'm like, the mailman, I know the mailman didn't put this in here because there's no stamp on it and there's no names on it. So somebody came and dropped it the box. And I opened the letter. You know, I pulled it out. There was a letter stating that uh, the Lord had told them to give us this money and for us to have a Christmas, you know. Wow. And there was no name on it. I had no idea who who, who dropped it off. And I pulled out, basically, I pulled out $1,000, bro, wow. in cash. In my mailbox. And I'm like, first of all, who puts a thousand dollars cash in somebody's mailbox that anybody could pull out? Right. And bro, I, I'm telling you, the Lord hit me right there and I just I broke down crying. And it's as if the Lord, he didn't even I didn't hear this from him, but I knew in my spirit it was like, Man, I got you. Like, don't you don't ever have to worry about nothing. Just seek first my kingdom. You know what I mean? And all those other things you you desire and you need will be added unto you. And so, of course, it takes tons of, you know, I, I got to do 70% of what I don't like to do to be able to do 30% of what I love to do. People look at my life and they, you know, they see the stage and they see the radio and they see, you know what I mean, movie. And, right. Oh, man, I want to do that. And then when they get behind the scenes with me, you know what I mean? Because I, I like to have people walk with me like, come on, you want to do this? I'm going to show you how to do it. You know, sometimes, you know, three, four months in, they're like, oh, man, I don't, you know, <laughs> just wanna, they want to do the, the fun stuff, yeah. but they don't want the grimy stuff, you know what I mean? They don't want to do the blood, sweat, and tears, or sitting on a computer, you know what I mean, answering emails, or talking to an accountant to make sure, you know what I mean, like, or, or filling out paperwork for this, and just all kind of stuff that really ain't my gift set, really ain't what I love to do, but it's got to be done, you know what I mean? Like, it's got to be done, so... In the beginning, it was all me. Right. And so uh, over the years, though, man, God has really blessed us with amazing, amazing people, an amazing team of people who pretty much almost all of our people volunteer. Um, so speaking of which, who's on your team? Who are some of the key members that you have a part of City Takers? Yeah, first, first and foremost, my wife, man. We've been married about four years now. Uh, my wife was a district attorney for the state of Florida, gave up that job to come do urban missions in the city of Atlanta. Wow. First and foremost, my wife, man, she's super smart, super anointed, super gifted. Um, so she she has kind of taken on the role of kind of that executive director type position. Um, so she handles a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. So she's definitely key. Um, the ministry's definitely grown leaps and bounds since she's been on board. But we also got a bunch of guys, like from the beginning, uh, DJ Radical, Double, Enlightenment, you might know some of them in the Christian hip hop realm. Got other guys like Mark with a K, uh, my boy CJ. Um, I know I'm forgetting tons of people, bro. You put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, but there's a there's a there's a lot of people, man. Even people in other states. Uh, my man Juan Rios has actually just showed up to my house. He lives in Illinois. Um, we got guys in other cities. We're training. The whole the whole goal is to be able to multiply what we're doing here in Atlanta and other in other major cities around the around the world, really. So we have a we have a core team of about twenty people or so, and then we have a leadership team outside of that. Right now is close to fifty. Wow! And then we have volunteers that are about probably close to three hundred volunteers here in the city of Atlanta. 
And when I say volunteers, these these are consistent people who are showing up to different things monthly. That's incredible, yeah, man. So, that's that's a lot of yeah. people. How do you um do you have like a group chat with everybody? How do you stay connected with every with that many people? It's hard. It's hard too, <laughs> man. Uh, because of because of people's schedules. Because this is not what they do for a living, and I love that this isn't what they do for a living. Because uh, you know the whole heart of city takers is exactly what we how we started this this conversation. I know I kind of veered off, but getting back to the whole full time ministry thing is all these people are in full time ministry. They all have jobs though as well that you know they make their money from. Um, so, but at their job, they're a city taker. You know what I mean? If they work at Starbucks, they're city takers at Starbucks. If they work in a warehouse. They're city taker. They're a we have one person who's a doctor. She's in the medical field. Um, she's a city taker. You know what I mean? While she's in the hospital, loving on people, praying for people. So I think the the shift of the mindset on being in full time ministry is really really key for the church in 2018. Especially, we have to get back to, you know, the Acts two church, the model that Jesus gave us. Um, so to keep up with everybody, man, that's partially why we're in a season now where we want this headquarters. Right. This stuff like this has been key, like phone calls. You know, Zoom is a new app that we have that we get. We do video chats, video meetings. But there's nothing that replaces physical touch and physical meetings. Um, you know, Jesus, obviously, when he started the church, he wanted people to meet together. Um, so there was something special about being in the same room together with people. So in this season, like we are doing a campaign to be able to raise capital to get this facility. Now, it's never been about the facility, but it is always about the people. Um, we've wanted, you know, in the past, we never really wanted a facility. We wanted to prove that you could do mission, you could do ministry without the building. Right. Like we've done that. But we're at a place now, in order for us to multiply and to raise up more city takers, we got to have some sort of home base Yeah. to to bring all the people together, like you're asking the question, like how do you, you know what I mean, manage that type of a lot of people? It's not easy. It's 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 a struggle, and every time we meet, there's always people that can't meet, right. and that's just you gotta live with. So we try, we do our best. We ain't got to figure it out by any means, and we're just we're just trusting God, man. Yeah, I think it's interesting. A lot of people, whenever they start something, you know, kind of like you said, you know, you want to prove a point. And then, uh, but you know, after you do it for a while, it gets tough, it gets difficult. And then you're at a place where it's like, okay, that's, that's proven we can do this without, you know, X, Y, Z, but X, Y, Z does make it a little more efficient. So let's go ahead and do X, Y, Z. <laughs> that's real, bro. You know, but, but the cool thing about that is I think a lot of people are waiting on X, Y, Z yeah. to do ABC. Yeah. And it's like, no, do ABC first. You know what I mean? Like in the kingdom, there is no elevator. True. There's only a staircase. Yep. You got to take the first step, the second step, the third. You know what I mean? Like you got to like take steps. Like here we are almost 10 years later. The vision that God gave me, you know, back 10 years ago, we still haven't we, We're not in the fulfillment of that yet. But we're way closer than we were, you know what I mean, 10 years ago. So we're just, you know, you got to take steps in the right direction. You can't. Like everything that God has called us to do today, he's equipped us with everything we need to do what he's called us to do. Right. So I think a lot of people were waiting on something in order to do something. And the Lord's like, no, step into the water. You know, he ain't going to split the sea until you step in first. Yeah. And I got to say, uh, kind of jumping back to what you said way earlier about 
um, you know, being starting where you are and not waiting for this huge whatever to get started. Uh, you know, and a lot of people feel like I want to have, you know, whether it's an artist who want to have a thousand fans overnight, you know, 10,000 fans or, you know, somebody who wants to skip past the neighborhood to get to the world, uh, you know, being able to start with what you have where you have it and being faithful to that. That's something that I've been hearing a lot lately myself from different pastors. And, uh, yeah. and so you're just one more person to validate it. You know, there's a lot of times yeah. I'm like, man, I really wish I had a lot more people that listen to the show. Uh, yeah. But it's like, you know, you got to be faithful to who you have in front of you. And well, um, he never said, and here's the thing too, I, I tweeted this the other day too. Was, he never said that we would have a bunch of people follow us. True. The only thing Jesus said is, Make disciples that will follow him. Right. You know what I mean? So the goal isn't never to build a big ministry. It's the goal is never to build city takers up to be this big thing. Like that's never the goal. The goal is to have people encounter Jesus and follow him. And I think as you're doing that, God loves people who are pointing people to him. Like, you know what I mean? Like he just loves that. It's like, it's not about you. And so like someone like yourself with the podcast, it's like, how are you being faithful with, you know, the, the, the 50 that listen or the hundred, like however many people the three. So what are you doing? How are you impacting the three people's lives or the 10 or the 20 or again, a thousand? Like, yeah, that's real so with them. The Bible says that he can entrust with you much more. And so it's really about your heart and our hearts. It really, you know, it's never been about us, but somewhere along the line, we try to make it about, you know what I mean? Like, man, like, Look at my thing. You know what I mean? Right. I'm doing this. I got this many people on Instagram who like my page or, you know what I mean? I got this many comments and it's, and it feeds our egos and, it, and it all of a sudden it builds up our pride and, and then we start to get a little arrogant. You know what I mean? And next thing you know, the small people, we don't really care about them no more when God loves those people just as much, you know what I mean? As the big famous people. Right. Right. That's huge, so, man. I love taking people. I love taking pictures with homeless guys on the streets and I'm like, come on, bro. Like, you know, and I'll put them <laughs> on Instagram sometimes. And, you know, I always see people and I'm not knocking this. We do it. Like take a picture with all the artists, the big name artists. And I'm like, man, you know, God loves this random homeless guy just as much as he loves, you know, any of the big name artists. And so do we love those people as much? Right. You know what I mean? Like, the the random homeless guy does nothing for us as far as fame and respect and all that, but the artist does. But so who's it about? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think we get ministry confused a lot and we make it about this competition thing and this this building our own kingdom thing instead of really building his man. So That's real, man. That's real. So I, you got you gotta start where you're at, man. You gotta start where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. I you know from like you said, you got to take that first step. You're not going to be at the top with the first step. And and really, you know, your aim shouldn't just be you at the top. It should be everybody climbing the steps with you, right? Uh, you taking yeah, the whole... Yeah, we, 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 uh, I have a thing, and one day when we have a building, we'll put it up in the building. Um, and I actually got this from Home Depot, believe it or not. <laughs> Home Depot, <laughs> believe it or not. Arthur Blank had this model. Um, it was Arthur Blank used to be the CEO of... of Home Depot, and I think he's still somehow involved. But anyways, long story short, Jesus invented the model. Arthur Blank got it from Jesus. Right. I got it from Arthur Blank. It's a it's a pyramid, right? And it's basically a structure of um, business structure. It's like CEO, you know, CFO, COO, 
and then people under them, and da, 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 all the way down to the customers. And what we do and what Home Depot, where I got it from Home Depot, we actually inverted the pyramid to where like I'm on the bottom, right? And I serve these, you know, three or four people. These three or four people serve these 20 people. You know what I mean? All the way to the people on the streets. And so it's literally, I'm serving, you know what I mean? The people who are leading the other people. Right. And those people are leading other people. And those people are, and it's basically the, the model of the church. Um, so I look at what I do as the servant of all, as Paul says, you know what I mean? I'm just servant of all. Right. Like I'm no, so yeah, it's not, I'm not trying to go up. I'm actually trying to go down. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's like I'm trying to I'm trying to really go down, not in this, not in like a false humility thing, but like I really need to be able to serve these people because if I'm not serving these people, I'm really not multiplying myself in you know, yeah, in a larger. I mean, be, larger being scale. a servant leader is is huge, and yeah, I, you have to do I that. Just, yesterday at the, I'll give an example, and I'm not boasting in this, so please don't take it this way. Yesterday at the at the uh, movie premiere, right, 300 people show up. And then afterwards, you know, I'm, I'm rolling up the, the red carpet. And somebody's like, why are you rolling up the red carpet? There's a bunch of other people. I'm like, why not? You know what I mean? Like, why would I not roll up the red carpet? Right. Like, I'm not good to roll up a carpet. And so I think people seeing stuff like that, that servant leadership, I'm never going to ask somebody to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Um, I think that's going to go a long way, especially in this generation. Like, people don't want to hear it no more. People want to see it. Right. So we got to be able to walk this walk if we're going to talk the talk. Yeah, man. Very true. So I do want to ask you, man, have there ever been any times where you just wanted to throw it up, give it up, and just step away from stress Uh, or anything like that? uh, I would say at least once or twice a month. (laughs) (laughs) So at least monthly. Yeah, man. And here's the thing. I know I can't, right. but I feel like a lot. Um, and, and the reason why I think is a couple of reasons. One, it's 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 a lonely ministry, man, because there's not a lot of fame. There's no fame in it. You know what I mean? There's no like, there's not a lot of money in it. Right, right. <laughs> um, there's just, it gets lonely, bro, in the sense of the bigger you get as far as like, whether it's a company, whether it's a ministry, whether it's a, you know what I mean? The more competition you have, even in ministry, man, like there's competition. I'm like, man, we're not in competition with anybody. Why y'all feel like, you know what I mean? Like we're your competition. Right. Like, right. This is, that's a huge thing. Know, nobody, that, that I think that's a huge thing with like, you know, jam to hype track stars, rapzilla, you know, all the different yeah. outlets. It's like, no, it's just other outlets that people have an opportunity to check out. You know, it's, it's not a competition. And, uh, yeah, and, man. So it's it's uh, I I feel, yeah, man. I feel like giving up a lot, but I don't, you know, because I I always I always think about the people who I serve, and I'm like, man, if I give up, bro, like that's gonna affect a lot of people's lives, and a lot of other people ain't gonna hear the gospel, and, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, man, I can't, so I push through. But uh, I think some of the big the big reasons why are those things. Um, you know, finances are always a big one. You know, there's never enough money to do what, what God is asking us to do. And we, we always like to do things at a level of excellence. You know, we don't just throw things together and they don't, they're not, they're never whack. <laughs> the presentation's always got to be, you know what right, I mean? Like, right. really. 
there's a lot of other things, man, you know, but, uh, I think those are the big ones. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now I'm curious to know, do so are you and your wife full time? Is there anybody else that's full time with, with city takers or just the two of you? Yeah. No, there's a few other people. Um, so everybody else who's full time with city takers raises their own support as an urban missionary. Um, so we don't actually, you know, full time pay anybody else. Um, the only time we do pay people is if somebody pays city takers to do something like we'll go to other churches and do events or, you know what I mean? We'll go do a takeover at the church. And if the church pays us, we pay whoever comes with us. Right. Um, so me, my, uh, my wife is full time. Uh, a girl named Lulu is full time with us. A young guy, CJ, has been full time with us. Uh, DJ Radical is full time, but he does DJing stuff as well. Trying to think, uh, full time. That's it. There's a lot of other people that that are full time with us, but work other jobs. Right. So you would think that they're full time, but they have some sort of either a business on the side, or you know, they they work part time job or full time job. It's interesting but because. I think Go ahead. And I just gonna say it reminds me of a lot of you know full time artists. You know what I'm saying? Like they're yep. full time, but they have all these other streams of revenue that they do. And, um, but they're not just like their music in itself doesn't give them a full time income. And it sounds like a lot of your people that work with city takers full time. sounds like it's kind of similar. Is that very very similar? Yeah. So when you talk about full time income, that's a different conversation. (laughs) Right. Even me, like, I'll be real. Even me, like I'll speak different places, you know, like all over, all over the place and people pay me to come speak. And so, you know, I, I'd have to do that a lot of times because, it, it helps subsidize financially my family. So, right. But again, I mean, even though it's ministry stuff, but you know, sometimes I have to take it yeah. because I need, you know, I need to be able to support the family. Yeah. So question, have you ever felt, or have you ever had a conversation with somebody who, uh, who wanted to know about how to get full-time income industry wise? And it, it, you kind of felt like they might not have been ready for it. Have you ever had that kind of situation? And, and if so, how did you handle it? Yeah, so I probably have these conversations at least once a week. Oh, wow. At least, man. Um, only because of the platform of City Takers, people always want to know, like, you know what I mean? Because they want it so bad. Some are artists, some are not. Um, a lot of them ain't ready. Uh, there's multiple reasons of why. Um, I think, how do they go? <laughs> Most of the time, and this is being real, most of the time people do what they want to do. Mm. And so no matter what you tell them, they're going to go off and do whatever they want to do. Right. Um, there are a few that actually listen to your advice, you know, and, and glean from the wisdom and do what you would advise them to do. But I would say one out of, I hate to guess, 30, 40, 50, you know, people do that. Um. And, and what people don't understand, I think the biggest thing people don't understand, they think they're going to go from step A to step Z in one step. Right. Have something in their head that they want, you know what I mean, that they want to do. And they think that they're going to just quit their job and go do that. And there's like A, B, C, D, E, F, all these steps in between that they want to just skip. And they want you to tell them how to skip them. And there is no microwave ministry you know what i mean right. like 30 seconds and it's done like there is none you gotta go you gotta pay your dues man you gotta you gotta just 
blood, sweat, and tears. You got to figure it out. And people can speak into your life. And this is what I tell my guys. Like, it's taken me 18 years to get where I'm at. So hopefully me speaking in your life, it'll take you six, seven to get where I'm at. You know what I mean? Maybe eight. I don't know. Like, it's up to you. Maybe even less. But it ain't going to happen in six months. It's not going to happen in a year. You're not going to be where I'm at in a year. Yeah. Like, that's just, you know what I mean? That's just where it's at. Like, you got to, I'll help you get there. And you're going to get there way quicker than I am. But it's not going to happen overnight, bro. And so you got to just, like, we got to, I'm going to take you on this journey. We'll do it together. Yeah, mentorship a- is, is uh, I think that's a big area people don't want to have. Um, I don't know if it's just, you know, a generation of, uh, you know, kind of pushback against authority. But like you said, you know, it took you 18 years. You could help somebody else get there in, you know, half or, you know, a quarter of the time because you've already learned those lessons and you can help them navigate around those potholes. And, um, yep. But a lot of times, you know, we feel like, oh, no, I'm smart enough. I, I got to figure it out. I got Google and YouTube that'll teach me. And exactly, it's not the same. I think it, yeah, I think, I think especially young people, and I was the young person, bro. So I'm, you know, I, <laughs> right. I think we feel or, you know, young people feel like we got it all figured out. You know, we don't need nobody. And then on top of that, I think there's a lack of biblical submission um, and not submission in the context of let me control what you do. It's actually the opposite of that. Jesus says, you will do greater things than me. And so biblical submission is like, yo, Scott, I want to submit my life to your leadership, but also to the ministry and the mission of City Takers to help the mission, because I believe in the mission and the vision. And through that, I want to see that person do greater things than what I've ever done. Right. You know what I mean? And I want to help them do that. I want to help them develop. I want to help them. You know what I mean? Like, seek first. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom? What does it mean to honor God in your job and what does it mean to be on mission in your workplace what you know what I mean like learn all these things and watch what God will do but here's the thing our timing is not his time yeah it might not happen in you know the next few years I don't know it might be 30 years down the road and you're doing you know crazy things for the Lord that we would never even be able to do on our own so you know what I mean like I think I think there's a lack of that because nobody's really modeled that well, I, I take that back. There are people modeling that. I think uh, people are so fearful of that in this generation because they've probably been hurt in other places before or they've heard horror stories before. You know what I mean? Right. And so that's a struggle. You know, I, we're, we're trying to teach that. What, is, what does that mean to submit? It doesn't mean that we control people. It doesn't mean that people have to ask us to do things. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean none of that. It just means like, hey, I believe in the vision. I believe in the mission. And I'm, you know, I'm looking to you as my pastor, my covering. You know what I mean? My my mentor. There's a lot of words for it. Right, right. My life coach is a new new word, right? Yeah. New term. It's all the same thing. It's all boils down to the same thing. You're speaking into people's lives. Yeah, it really is. I mean, if you look at, you know, Peter, I mean, yeah, he preached to 3,000 people. But way before he did that, look how long he followed Jesus. Look how long he stumbled. Look how many mistakes he made. Like, exactly. Before he preached and they still to 3,000. Fi- and they still were figuring it yeah. out, even after, even after that. And guess what? Look look how, look a few years later, look how his life ended. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> people don't want that. <laughs> That's facts, man. That's facts. So, um, so you know, just kind of moving along. Uh, y'all had the video shoot last night, um, uh, or the, the 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 premiere for the documentary. So, 
how do you go about like going to these other places and premiering the video? How does that work? Because I mean, did did you do the the documentary last night at like a a, a facility you already have? Movie. We did it at a movie theater. Okay, man. okay. We did it at a theater. Um, we did a pre screening at a church uh, about a month ago. It was cool. Um, we just did it to to get some excitement going. But there's nothing like it was totally different last night than it was at the church right. and just something about being in the theater man and the sound and the, you know i don't know what it was i don't know it was different um the lord i mean it was just anointed man the movie's anointed uh will thomas who i don't know if you're familiar with him he had a company called space cherry film he's done so many people's music videos from lecrae flame yeah, you he's name all over the place man he's all over the place so he did the he did the documentary so it's it's really done well um so we haven't premiered we we actually we actually showed it um a while ago actually it wasn't even completely done done at a friend of mine's church crossover church in tampa we showed it down there prematurely probably shouldn't have been but we did um and then we showed it here at the church and so last night was really the premiere um coming out now we have a couple other people who we're working with right now that want to bring it to their city but we're asking that people book a theater to do it because it does have a different impact when it's the theater versus uh versus uh just you know a TV or a projector you know in a in a room. Right. Now, what's so, the best way to do that? To book a theater? Uh, I mean they're they're fairly easy to. It just takes money. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy if you have money. It's easy right. if you got some money. Yeah. So, but again, like I can help people if, you know, we could figure out how to raise the money, you know what I mean? Like, or help them raise the money. Um, it costs about $2,000 to, to make it happen. So, you know, but you know, that's 200 people at $10 a head right. to break it. So, you know, like it, it almost pays for itself if we could get 200 people there. Right. But again, that was in Atlanta. It could be less in other cities, it could be more in other cities, um, but I would encourage whoever wants to bring it to their city, um, go to the website, uh, citytakers.com backslash movie. Um, there's a there's a, the, a thing that says email to bring the movie to your city. Email us and let's just start the conversation. So we're in conversation right now with two different cities about bringing it. Uh, we're in a season right now where we want to bring it to as many cities as possible. Um, again, we're in a, a fundraising season where we're trying to get this facility. So all... Everything is going to that right now. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty easy. We just got to have a conversation, and I will show you exactly what you got to do. So you can be just some random person, you know, in your city listening to this podcast <laughs> right now. Like, you know what? I want to do that. All you got to do is go to the website, click it, fill out the form, and we will show you how to do that. Now it's going to be up to you to do it, though. So Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, so anybody out there is interested, make sure you, you, you connect with, uh, Scott free citytakers.com slash or backslash movie. Yep. That's it. Movie. All right. I'll try to have that in the description for the show notes. Uh, I do have just a couple of random questions for you though. I haven't done this in a very long time. It's, uh, you know, some people call it the lightning round or whatever, just two random things and you just pick one. Cool. Just pick one. All right. Let's All right. do it. NFL, NBA. NFL. NFL. Any particular reason why? Do you follow basketball at all? I grew up. I grew up playing football. Okay. Coffee or tea? Ooh, 
coffee, but I just quit two days ago. Ah. <laughs> so I might have to say tea, but my flesh is saying coffee. I'm praying for you, man. I'm praying for yeah. you. Uh, Italian or Spanish food? Spanish. Spanish. What? I'm from Miami. I grew up eating Spanish. What's your food. favorite dish? Ooh, pollo de empanizada, which is the fried flat chicken. Okay. They pound it like the breast. They pound. They cut it in half. They pound it real thin. It's banging. And then right. And then black beans and rice and plantains. Nice. Uh, Mac or PC? Mac or what? Mac or PC? Oh, I thought I thought you meant mac and cheese. Oh. I'm like mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> we were on food. Um, mac, man. I yeah, I got mac everything. Hey, man, I I can't stand a PC. I I went and bought a Toshiba, uh, to try to have a backup computer, and I was just like, I was a waste of money. Yeah, I'm a waste sorry. Of money. Uh, so one last question: Who is your favorite yeah. artist right now? That's out. DHH artist. <laughs> Wow, that's a hard one. Okay, man. I'll say this. Um, What's your favorite album that's come out this year? I'll say that. My favorite. Let me let me do the artist. Okay. That would be easier for me. <laughs> um, my favorite artist right now, CHH. Man, I have. You know what? I'm I'm really feeling Bizzle. Like I really like Bizzle, man. Like I like his content, but at the same time, like my heart wants to say Flame, man. Like Flame to me has just been the most consistent. Yeah. Overall, man. Overall, like Flame has just been a consistent brother, and he's a good dude, man. But, at, but I, if I would say right now this year, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Um, well, I mean, that's that, that's pretty much it. I was trying to go off the cuff there, uh, but I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you doing the business with Border Podcast, and uh, and I hope uh, I know this information to help uh, you know, many people who listen to the show. And so where can people link up with you, follow City Takers, and uh, yeah, just keep man. up with y'all? So, yeah, so the ministry has a website, citytakers.com. Um, all our information is on there. We're also on all social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and it's just at City Takers. Um, my personal one, uh, Instagram, is I am Scott Free. That's my Facebook as well. That's my Twitter as well. That's my email as well. I'm going to give you my email, I am Scott Free at Gmail, if I can answer any questions. Whatever I, you know, I respond on Instagram direct message, you know, Facebook message. I respond to all that stuff. So as quickly as I can, it's not always right away though. Right, so. gotcha. Well, uh, Scott, I appreciate it. Oh, I almost forgot to mention too, oh. that the fact that it's pretty awesome. You, uh, your name matches up with a, a comic book hero. Yeah. You call him a comic book hero. Oh yeah. 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 I, I heard you on Twitter that. a while ago about that. I was like, that was you, yeah, that was me. About- that was me. <laughs> I was looking. I was like, Scott Free. I was like, Hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> like, I know that. Anyway, man, yeah, bro. I'm about to buy you an issue man, with that. And send it to you. Send it to me, man. I'll frame it. I'll put it up on my wall. <laughs> Look, I got stuff in my. I got. I'll put it up right there. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. Uh, looking forward to seeing how the uh, the documentary does. Hopefully, it'll be nationwide. It, and uh, and looking forward to seeing what else City Tickets brings to the table, man. Thank you, bro. God bless you, man. All right, man. Be blessed. Thanks. All righty. That was the interview with Mr. Scott Free at City Takers. Uh, Scott, thank you again so much for doing the interview. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing in the Atlanta area and just being an example and showing others how to lead right. And, uh, and so that's great. Um, 
you know, it's funny. He he really reminds me of uh, of Sean Grant from Track Stars. Uh, you know, they both have great hearts. They they both really believe in the work that they're doing, the mission that they're doing. And uh, they're not exactly the same, but they are intertwined in a lot of ways. And so make sure you're supporting both Track Stars and City Takers. And go to citytakers.com and uh, figure out how you can get that documentary into your town, your city, and uh, so we can make this thing nationwide. And so... Uh, again, I do want to thank the patron for the show, uh, our patrons, Mr. Aaron Simpkins, TrueStrengthApparel.com. Uh, if you want some great clothing, head over there, TrueStrengthApparel.com. And he also actually has a, uh, a True Strength Life podcast on iTunes. If you want to go check that out, a little spiritual nugget that, uh, that he breaks down within five minutes for the most part. So you can go check that out. Also, Mr. LT Smith, uh, music video for the culture. Make sure you go and, uh, support that check that out and it actually kind of fits in because uh you know we're doing a show uh this episode was about uh just you know it's it's part of the culture of where this show exists in the realm that it exists so it kind of fits in well uh i tried to make that work the best i could (laughs) i don't know if that worked that well hopefully it did so anyway the description or the uh, the link to that will be in the show notes uh so you can just click on that head straight there and check it out and uh, I do want to just to, to mention real quick before we go uh, to all the fathers out there, uh, especially to anybody who is an entrepreneur or who was uh, kind of doing something, uh, you know, whether it's on the side, whether it's full time. I just do want to encourage you to, uh, to just to make sure you're keeping your family uh, in, in, in the proper uh, category of your life. Make sure that they are. Uh, higher up in your priority than your business. Uh, I feel like most anybody who was listening to this show already has that mindset, but just wanted to plug that in there because you know I hear from ministers, from pastors, from you know business leaders to to business owners. You know the most divorced people really are those who have a full time responsibility uh, outside of their home and. By full-time responsibility, I mean having a, uh, a whole entire organization on their back because they are always involved in it. They're always taking phone calls. They are always having to do something with that even when they're off the clock. Quote, even though, you know, people, usually uh, business owners aren't ever off the clock. But um, just make sure you are putting your family first. You are uh, making that time allocated to your children, to your spouse, and to what's anybody else that uh, that you are a father figure toward. And so anyway, that's it for the show this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to head over to businesswithbordo.com for everything related to the show, to the blog postings, small business news, and all of that good stuff. And if you want to support the show, you can do that from there as well. And so anyway, uh, before we go, I just do want to remind you that the more you learn, the more you know. And the more you know, the more you grow. Thanks and God bless.